Welcome to another episode of Rage Gear Studio, the podcast. Hey guys, we're back with another interview, and this time around, it's just Ray again. So hi, but I have an amazing guest. This is somebody that I've been wanting to get on here for such a long time because she's extremely impressive. <laughs> Kaguya, or PS Kaguya on IG and social medias. Can you please say hi to the people? Hello. <laughs> hi. So, Kuya is somebody who, I don't know, you're every woman. You've done, <laughs> I can't even, in the beginning. What's the, be, what's the beginning for Kuya? Like, you're, you're a musician. You're a makeup artist. You're a model. You're a real estate agent. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> But honestly, super impressed by the success you have had on your own in the modeling industry. Being Asian, first of all, because mm-hmm. just that alone sets you apart. How did you, when did you decide to even go that route? Mm, yes. So um, for me, it's like, you know, I never planned on being a model, uh, never had the confidence or self love enough to even take pictures and stuff, really. Um, So the actual journey started, I guess, in 2017. But 2016 is when I ended, like, a very toxic and narcissistic relationship where it was, like, physically and emotionally abusive. Um, And in that two years of toxicity, like, I really found myself in the lows of the lows like ever before but during that time frame i started working on my writing and that's when ps kaguya started ps means postscript kaguya is a moon princess mainly in japanese folklore where some people relate it with like naruto like the kaguya character but for me it was like moon princess because you know my original name is diana i'm a cancer it just kind of made it make sense and like Everything that I wrote in this public WordPress diary was essentially my alter ego of how I perceived myself, of how I wanted to express myself, but I never really did. That's fantastic. That's kind of like therapeutic you did on your own. Yeah, I just did it on my own because, like, even before that, I went to a study abroad program where I was supposed to be blogging and like taking pictures and showing my work while I was in like the study abroad program, but essentially it kind of became a personal diary, and my professor didn't like it, but it got a lot of attraction and it was called like 120 days in Paris and that's where my writing journey kind of started because you know um, grammar and like the English language is something that I had to learn you know as a immigrant um, as someone who didn't really speak until I was like five etc etc so like I wanted to get better in writing essentially so I started writing these public diaries Um, no one really cared about them but then after the relationship ended and I passed my like three months of depression not talking with anyone or anything I was like okay I need to get myself back up get a job you know feel better about myself so I traveled to LA for the first time alone, couch surfing. I was young. Couch uh, surfing. Like I was. There's actually a website, right? I don't know. Oh, there is, but I didn't do it that way. I just okay. went through like friends of friends, and I was just like being young and like trying to like relive life again and get myself back up. So I started PS Kaguya the Instagram. That is so brave. <laughs> yeah. And just as a little. I don't, 
don't call you a baby, but you're so young. Right? So <laughs> I was just like taken off, decided to get on an airplane and just bounce around. I was 27 at that time, I think. But after that happened and then Halloween came around, um, I didn't celebrate Halloween in so long. And my friend was working at the time at, uh, what is it, Abracadabra. Oh my which, gosh, I remember that place on yeah. Christopher Street. Yeah, I actually worked there for a couple months. It's funny. And then I quit because it was, they were understaffed and they were not paying. And then I was like, what am I doing here? But it was like fun for a little bit. Um, but essentially, yeah, I was just like waiting on him. I bought like a Red Riding Hood costume for the first time in like over like, I don't know, 10 years or something. And then I had extra time because he was still working. So I decided to take some self-portraits of myself in the red riding hood costume and that was like when you say turn. red riding hood it's like the, the the red riding hood where it's barely an outfit is that no it was actually a full <laughs> outfit because it was the plus size queen size section okay. so it did go all the way down to my knees and it had like you know a hood i mean maybe a little bit of uh decolletage was showing but like you know mostly it was pretty covered but like you know i posted those and then i started doing some self-portraits of myself, like coloring my hair and stuff, like things. Because you also have a background in uh, Well, yeah, but like, remember I was in the toxic relationship, so he wouldn't even wear, let me wear makeup, wouldn't let me color my hair, um, was fat shaming, slut shaming me, everything. It was just crazy. And then once his visa was like done, he went to Spain. And then we were trying to keep it a long distance situation and I didn't hear from him for like weeks at a time. So I was like, what is this? Like, it's bullshit. Um, but either way, it was just like, that was like the pinnacle of like my journey, like, you know, starting of it. And then I realized like, I want to work on my like own self-love, right? But I'm also documenting it in front of the camera. And then- Incredibly brave. <laughs> but then like also like my friend at the time who was working at he was a film major but then he wanted to like practice his photography so he started shooting me for fun blah 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 I was still doing photography at the time because you know I went to school for photography um but then that's when like slowly and surely like other photographers started reaching out to me through Instagram and they're like I really like your look like let's work together let's collaborate and then that's when I was like oh okay like and you can see the progression of my modeling because in the very beginning I didn't even do like full-on eye contact with the lens like my eyes were always like down or like you know, I was, I didn't really know how to body position myself and like, I'm just like working on my confidence slowly, right? And then so essentially in the summer of 2017, cause I was still working a nine to five um, or like a 10 to six essentially in like the diamond district. And then I quit that job and then I found like a freelance position that paid double my daily rate and then was working for like a marketing company. But even that, it didn't really fulfill me either. And so I was like, you know, I'm quitting everything and I'm just gonna fully focus on modeling. And because for me, it was like, I see, uh, I was able to see like a plus size community that was like starting to grow. And one of my main icons was like Tess Holiday at the time because she was 5'5 and fully tatted and a plus size model that was signed with an agency and I didn't see that. Like even when I was working in fashion as a photographer, I only like picked really thin 
white women, tall, skinny. I just ate a kale salad type of girls. I'm not saying anything is wrong with that, but those were like the only type of girls I was shooting. So there was not much diversity in my portfolio in a sense because I felt like that's what the agencies wanted. This is what they wanted to see. Most obviously I shot POCs and like different types of like fashion that was like editorial. Like, you know, I shot that Pearl cover, you know, and all of the experiences that I've had. But then I was like, you know, maybe photography is just not what I'm doing because what I was making money out of was product photography, working in like jewelry and like doing e-commerce stuff. I was like not really doing what I was passionate about as my main bread and butter for my photography. So either way, I started doing this journey and then people started gravitating towards it. And then as soon as I like decided to post a thoughty picture or what <laughs> I, I, you know, in the beginning I started with cosplay you know, I did a Sailor Moon cosplay with like a bikini and people ate it up. They really <laughs> liked it. And they're Is like, Sailor Moon, like one of your babes? Of course. I like, well, you know, after school, I would always go home before 4 p.m. just to see Sailor Moon on Toonami. <laughs> no, we didn't have, we didn't have like internet, like, you know, subscriptions like that at that time. It was just like TV, right? In wow. the 90s, especially. So either way, it was just like, oh, yeah, I guess I could do, like, cosplay and stuff. Oh, yeah, like, I am, like, embracing my sexuality a little bit more so I can, like, start wearing lingerie. But ironically, you know, even when I was in college, I did figure modeling. I found, like, job lists on Craigslist to, like, just do figure modeling to make money. Job lists on Craigslist? Those are, like, a section. Yeah, well, for, like, jobs. Like, freelance jobs. job lists. Yeah, lists. I thought you said jobless. No. <laughs> like, I'm jobless. Could you imagine? Job. I mean, oh, essentially <laughs> essentially that, right? Essentially that. But then, it's a, like, I started with figure modeling, which is, like, ironic, but, like, no one saw me, you know? It's just, like... in a studio. Yeah, I was in a studio, and this person didn't even know how to draw my hands, and they, like, just saw me naked and was drawing me for an hour, and I made 50 bucks. So I was like, cool. Uh, now I can continue on with my thesis project. Um... And then, like, ironically, there's this photographer named Ryan McGinley. I had the, you know, opportunity to work with in the beginnings of it. And he his work is all, like, nude. So I was very scared. I dubbed him, like, two, three times in the beginning because I was like, oh, I feel bloated. Oh, I'm on my period, which one was yes. And so I was just, like, really scared. But then essentially I got over that fear and then I worked with him. Um, a few times kind of ruined that relationship because there was a situation where I was supposed to go upstate but that's for like another time um, I basically was come what is it called not compulsion compulsive. What is, I was compulsive I guess compulsive what? well not compulsive impulsive impulsive is when you just on the fly. Yeah, I was, the- I was doing impulsive, but also I was feeling sick. And then I just had like this weird demon dick next to me that like didn't make me go do the job. And I was just like not feeling it. Um, but either way, it was unfortunate that our relationship got tainted by that. But like I still had a good experience with it. And then essentially I wanted to see myself more as a model versus just being like because ultimately at that time... 
I ne- I didn't really see much plus size Asian models at all. And if there were plus size Asian models, they were mainly just like social media ambassadors or just like talking about their own stories and they were like married, but I didn't see anyone like around my age and like interested in anime and like stuff like that. So I was like, okay, I feel like I can maybe pursue modeling, but I went to like agencies and stuff and they were like, oh, we really like you. You're just too short. Or like something like that. And most obviously, I was tatted. Not as tatted as I am right now, but I was still tatted and I knew what the industry wanted. They want like... Fresh skin. Yeah. Nothing on your body. Um, no colored hair, natural. And like at least five, seven, five, nine. Five, nine if you're a plus size. Five, seven if you're petite. Um, it was like really weird. And, you know, I had to like... I was like, you know what? Whatever. I would like hang out with other models and they were assigned and they're like, oh, good thing you never got tattoos or you would have never gotten this campaign. You would have never gotten signed. Like, and like they were like, you know, making fun of Fashion Nova girls. And at that time I was working with Fashion Nova. I worked with Fashion Nova for free for three years. They never paid me. Um, and that was like a whole thing. Um, <laughs> but then essentially, you know, like things transferred and then what happened i feel like i started booking jobs on your own yeah on my own yeah and it wasn't just like jobs at the bodega no (laughs) you were like you were like booking nike Mm -hmm. you google yeah instagram Mm -hmm. like (laughs) i mean but that's just a recent right that was just a recent i mean you were i guess there were baby steps but i was still impressed i mean you were billboard like i was just so your journey I understand it's about accepting yourself and dealing with society and all the things that they put in the way because things need to be pers- things are geared to a certain audience or they a vision that they they that everybody needs to somehow be aligned with mm-hmm. exactly and, and also like at the end of the day like um, the industry is gatekeepy they're not going to like tell you exactly what you need to do or necessarily like and I realized for me, it was like, yeah, I am a new face. I'm all, I also started modeling when I was 27, which is like dinosaur years, essentially. Like, I feel like most models start when they're like... 13. <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs> back in the 90s. But yeah, they still want them fresh and young, you know? Like, and so I was just like, well, I don't know. I have all these things against you, but I feel like I still have like a voice and I still don't see like much Asian representation. So like, why not? And I feel like not to like give myself so much credit, but I feel like I kind of opened up the doors. You absolutely put in the work. You put in so much work. Yeah. <laughs> so you did. You did. I try. I try. When it comes to social media and all that, like it really, I would say recently the whole, the term body positive mm. is relatively new mm. like you know there's always a new hashtag well body positivity has been around for over a decade so the hashtag because the thing is like once it reaches today once it reaches the kids today and it mm-hmm. gets on the platform that they frequent it's a little different yeah but honestly i don't even relate myself with body positivity anymore it's like i was um most obviously put in that realm and i did use that hashtag too in the very beginning because i was like that is what i'm trying to like aim towards like body positivity but at the end of the day i also know the privileges that i have as a non-black poc as someone who is what is it standard what is it called 
socially attractive I guess is the term and like you know like even the way I am um, body proportioned uh, where like my waist is more smaller than like you know my tits and my ass whatever can I say that yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then so it's just like you know I know my privileges in regards to that and how not all women are shaped that way especially as bigger body people and you know I um do take accountability to that but like most obviously when i go to korea even now i'll probably be shunned or like made fun of i'm like obese i'm way bigger than the plus size korean models that have been interviewed and stuff and they saying they're obese but they're like a size 10 i'm like size 16 18 right and so um like even when i was like in high school and my mom like got me laundry it's a weird thing i don't know my mom always did that um, <laughs> but like the biggest size that she found was like a d cup or something it didn't fit me when i was even 15 so it's like the accessibility of clothes and like the fat phobia that is instilled in korean culture especially because you know i am korean um like my whole entire family line is just like full Korean. There's no biracial um, intermingling. Or, like I'm actually the one that will is basically breaking the generational like traditions and traumas and all that stuff. Which is every family needs one. Yeah, I'm the black sheep of the family. <laughs> I'd be talking about this with my therapist, and she's like, "Yeah, there's a lot of burden for black sheep of the family, but also." Really. You know, it's like, I am queer, I am a um, sex positive woman, I am tatted, I have colored hair, you know, I'm also about to turn 33 in July. Uh, we've and known each other, <laughs> thank you, Asians don't raisin. Uh, <laughs> I also did my skincare very young, um, but you know, it's just like, all these things. Also, I feel I look younger now in my 30s versus when I was like 26 or 24 like different you would place. you're in a different place when I was just happy, like when you're not happy it kind of shows yeah no for sure and I was like dealing with my eating disorder I was broke um I had dark circles didn't even know what setting powder was it was a mess what, what is setting powder <laughs> oh <laughs> to hold in your concealer babes <laughs> so it doesn't spread okay okay no, um okay. but you know it was just like a lot of different things and most obviously like i've seen like the progressions in the industry but even now like i'd be i've been like having conversations with other poc like models and how they're unhappy and like you see the models getting booked but it's always the same models it's like what is actual representation when it's always like the same face that you see and then you are conditioned to thinking that is a societal beauty standard of what you have to be like i see other asian girls that are getting booked really big jobs getting covers and everything and i applaud them you know i cheer them on i don't necessarily think they fuck with me because i am older or whatever i've had like you know biasness within the industry in the short amount of time that i've been here i can't help it my leo placements and mercury mars and venus they pop off um <laughs> and but you know and also like you know a lot of people like to stay quiet but i just don't like to stay quiet sometimes and i definitely learned from my lessons in the past and like, is that another thing your family 
Oh, yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't want to deal with the model minority myth. Like, I don't need to be, like, quiet and, like, submissive and, like, do everything that you want me to just because I'm an Asian woman. adore you. (laughs) (laughs) But essentially, you know, I applaud all these girls, but they're all Eurocentric. And that, for me, doesn't sit correctly. It's like, you know, when also black identifying folks like complain that the only black people that they see are like light skin folks or lighter complexion um and that doesn't really like show the whole entire diversity or the actual inclusion of what inclusivity means and what the industry is showing what is inclusive like you're giving a pat on the back and a little light light clap charlotte like you brought a person of color onto this campaign you know, and it's like really hard. And so either way, modeling has been good to me, but I am in the process of like doing other things. Your music. Yeah. <laughs> your, the songs. I mean, I love, you got your one single mm-hmm. on Spotify. <laughs> yeah, I did a Beyonce with it. <laughs> I love it. I love that. I can't wait for, for what's coming up now. But how did you start with music? Like, mm, I started music um in 2000 i mean like i was classically trained so i did piano um i also was in choir i did opera yeah and that's it's a- killer karaoke i know that oh i mean like, you know you throw down i like singing <laughs> <laughs> i had a lot of alone time and so but then guitar came when i was like 16 I was a, essentially like a huge tomboy and like my sexuality and like my boobs didn't come until like later um, and like me trying to be more femme representing didn't come until like sophomore junior year of high school um, but essentially I saw like all the guys at my church I went to church you know I saw all the guys were like girls can't play guitar girls can't do this oh. and then I was like you know what I'm gonna play guitar so I taught myself and then I started off with like Avril Lavigne music because it's like simple <laughs> like G C E D chords, um, and then essentially I made my own song. My first song was called Heartbreaker. It was like really cheesy. I don't even remember how it goes, but I remember playing it in lunchtime and people were like listening to me. I was very ballsy of that. Um, and then afterwards, you know, I was just like posting stuff on MySpace. Was doing like oh random gosh, chorus space. collaborations with like other like. Um, friends that were like rappers it was really funny like I remember recording through GarageBand and then transferring my vocals over and putting on MySpace and like even meeting MySpace like musicians and stuff back in the day Um, back when everybody knew how to code yeah I I mean I had a Zanga (laughs) I was like give me an HTML copy paste (laughs) Um, but like even that time and then like I guess that's when I started doing hair school right I mean after music and then I also wanted to go to college for music but my mom was so uh, she really wanted me to be a pastor she she saw she saw me as a conductor for like the choir at church like that was her dream goal for me in my small town in Florida I mean it wasn't small, even, small. Even then, like, even your mom sees you as a leader. Oh, like, I mean, just she mind. just wanted me to be that. She's like, if it's not a lawyer, doctor, or an accountant, then you're going to be a choir director. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I did not see that for myself because Hail Marys, I was not a virgin. Um, 
And then so essentially, I guess it was just like music came after and then I started going to hair school after like I realized I didn't want to go to college for music. I did the summer program in Berkeley and then I got intimidated. Like I was surrounded by all these like kids that had successors in their families. They came from rich families. They all like were so talented and I didn't see the talent in myself. So essentially I kind of stopped going to class and like was just kind of rebelling in a sense too because you know it was like my first time like being away from home home and actually having alone time so definitely blew through all the college gift money that I got and like gained 20 pounds from eating Wendy's every single day and like you know just like I don't know just living carelessly and it was my first like time and then I realized I was like I can't do music anymore because I don't see a future in it, and I'm not going to pay $60,000 a year for it either. And so I was like, okay, what's next? And then that's when I ended up going to hair school. And, like, funny fact is, is, like, I thought cosmetology was for makeup, ended up being hair. But then, like, you know, my parents have been doing the beauty supply business for over 30 years, and they wanted to open a salon, and I thought that I need a cosmetology license. Turns out you don't. Uh, um, what? What do you? Wow. That's yeah, you, if To get a salon, you don't need a cosmetology license for people who want to know. Um, but, like, I ended up going to the school, and um, during that time, that's when I started meeting other, like, indie folk artists so I was like playing in the coffee shops and the bars and like trying to make this uh, community do you miss that when was the last time you did that a long time ago like so essentially fast forward um went to New York right started doing photography realized that I can't focus on music anymore I had two separate YouTube channels where people called me like Lilo they're like oh wow it's like Lilo and Stitch like she's playing her guitar and doing I had a cover page for my YouTube and also an original page and like my one friend like posted me on Reddit or something so I had like over 2,000 like whatever views or something like something stupid and it was a cute moment and then there was a time in college where the professor was like, you'll never be successful if you like keep on doing like all these things because the idea of being a renaissance woman or a renaissance man, whatever, renaissance thinking was not even appreciated at that time. It was like early 2000s. I don't know about you, but like... Well, in, in school at the... When I was at SVA, mm-hmm. like, it was a whole different thing where art school meant learning how to do... How to work with wood, how to work with clay, how to work with metal, how to work with acrylics and oil. Mm-hmm. Like it was never, never touched digital stuff. They never went to the computer. Mm-hmm. So they, I, I understand how they would be hesitant to adapt the new things because if it was anything like art school, mm-hmm. it really held back on bringing in and calling those things art. I think for me, it was like during the portfolio review, and I don't remember the woman's name, but she was like, um, you know, she was like. A top photographer who like shot Obama and like stuff for like the Times and everything. And those kind of situations, it's different because you only have 10 15 minutes to shoot the subject. Um, most obviously, you have hair and makeup, like doing the other things, and wardrobe doing the other things. So, as a photographer, but for me, I was like, oh yeah, I'm a, I went to cosmetology school, so I'm going to like do the hair, the makeup, and like everything and make this everything beautiful. And then she's like, you'll never be successful. And then also like me thinking that like it was like the whole entire idea of what was it like you put 10,000 hours into something then you can be like a professional or whatever right or something 
Right. There's like a saying, like you have to put a certain amount of hours in them. For me, I was like spending too much time like making like silly love songs and stuff. I wrote like my first actual love song to my first lover when I was like 20 years old um, on like my bed. And like, you know, I was still doing my music thing and it made me happy. I actually progressed a lot in my music during that time when I was like at my grandma's place and the projects. But like ultimately... You know, I was like, I need to stop this if I really want to focus on photography. So I stopped doing music altogether basically around 2010. Yes, I've made like little songs here and there, but I like stopped focusing on it completely. And then you were hustling. (laughs) I was just trying to see like what was important. And I just like was trying to figure out what I wanted to do because at that time, too, I got my cosmetology license actually in the state of Florida. Came to New York thinking I was going to do hair part-time while I was going to school. Um, Turns out I needed to do like a whole entire separate test for New York State. So I ended up never even really using my cosmetology license. But I did because I ended up taking a break in 2010, 2011. My dad ended up getting Bell's palsy. And also I didn't know what I was doing in school because I was doing mainly makeup and hair for other photographers in school. And making money from that way or like having more joy in that way um because i never did photography it's like a whole thing and then so i went to florida um worked in the salon for tony and guy for a bit and then that even that like i started like losing passion and then i went back into photography and then all of a sudden i'm like a great photographer <laughs> and then it was always in yeah it was just something and then it just kind of progressed and then like it was just like a lot of trial and error i actually am someone who like i went through school because i was told that i needed to but in all honesty if i think about it now i wish i didn't really do school but also like being in school and having the education and like learning like 19th century or like pop art or like even though i don't really like fully fully get it um it did and also like even being in the photography program it did give me an eye of like what i wanted to see in a portfolio the more you know, absolutely the right more you know the more you're the more you know how to present. Right. And also it did give me the insight of what a photographer wants versus what a model wants and how like both spectrums are valid. Like I understand like why some of the models were really frustrated with me when I worked with them for free, but they wanted the images, but I was just not in the right mental state to give them the images because I was trying to like survive and work my nine to five and I didn't have the passion to. And also I was super, super, super self, um, critical with my editing. I just felt like it was never good enough. Um, but either way, all in all, <laughs> uh, let's fast forward all the way up to COVID, right? Oh. <laughs> fast forward all the way up to COVID, and I like just booked one of the biggest jobs I booked on my own, which was for Google. It was for the Google Pixel release. I did that on my own. It was my first time like traveling to LA. Oh, well, not my first time because my first time traveling to L.A. was for like the Nike job, which I ended up never really seeing the images. The clothes didn't fit me, whatever. Um, But this was like my first one that I booked on my own. That was like a big job. And they got me like a suite. They paid for my travel. I didn't do it with my agent. And then after that came back to New York and then I was doing like social media stuff for like sex toy companies as I do. 
and like a hair company um, when it comes to your social media you i kind of envy how much you're willing to put out there because you can hmm. you, your live videos where you put out i'm your very songs, vulnerable <laughs> and where you're, whatever you're feeling at the moment like i just as much as i want to watch you i think of like can i what i can i and i'm like i don't think anybody's interested in my day-to-day but your day-to-day is a lot more <laughs> it's very different from but my honestly life. at the same time too like i don't think i feel like the people who care care um and then the people who don't oh. really don't yeah and but then i think like there was a time in my social media like journey especially when i was like working for fashion nova and stuff i was like posting every single day every single day on the dot around 11 to 2 p.m every single day hashtags all of that um i was really trying to get my brand out there right but after a certain point i was like this is kind of pointless and then also i was like peeping the other girls that were like getting booked all these bigger jobs they didn't have a big social media presence and i think they were more at peace than i was you know but i was trying to really sell myself as a model and i was still not signed at that time so i was going really heavy with social media because i was trying to make a living out of it right so there is like the two spectrums of like what a model is versus what an influencer is and then when i started when i did get signed in 2019 the jobs didn't come immediately but yeah that's when i started doing like the nike like campaign and like stuff like that the one where you were running through the <laughs> yeah and i was like I so it. sore i loved it i ran from 6 a.m <laughs> to 11 a.m like the middle of traffic and it's a two minute commercial if even uh, less than two minutes <laughs> it was so bad i was so sore i didn't even I eat it. that day <laughs> It was so bad. And then I still went to a casting after that. Can you believe? Oh, my God. Uh, I, was, you, yes. I was so tired. <laughs> oh. Ducking and dodging cars. It was a movie. It was an action movie. It was literally an action movie because there was extras in the street. There was extras in the street. And also each shot was like in different positions. So I had to run continually for hours. <laughs> I am not a runner. That was the campaign. I am not a runner. And they're like, for sure she's not a runner. And then you see all these like men that were like, oh yeah, she's running to get her donut. Oh, that's uh. like, she's not even running. She's like huffing and puffing. Yeah, I was in a cow print dress. Also, a stylist. She was like a skinny white woman. She put me in a cow print dress and also a new Air Forces that were half size too big with no socks. My feet were fucked up by the end of that. Can I say that? Uh, <laughs> I was like, I'm just like, you can bleep it out. Pretty hurt. Pretty hurt. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just bad. And I was just like, oh my god, I feel like so drabby. The, um, the Instagram one was adorable when you're on the fire escape. Hmm? The Instagram. Oh and yeah, that was cute. That was cute. Where'd you get that? Oh yeah, where'd you get that? <laughs> that was adorable. That was like a funny... I When I did that casting, I was like just finishing like a random like collab photo shoot with this person for free. And like, we're not even friends anymore. But... Um, but, like, I did that audition, and Bardier, so talented, love him. Um, we just, like, he just liked it. He was just, like, say, where'd you get that? In many ways, and I did it. So <laughs> I was just, like, I was, like, here I go. And then, you know, that job was fun. Uh-huh. Um, now you have an art space. Now you're, like, renting out space so the people can be creative around you. And, mm-hmm. like, you have a home for people oh, yeah. <laughs> who had a similar journey to yours, mm-hmm. who are, like, you're like 
That yeah. kind of happened impulsively, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and it was literally the nobody. Universe, the universe is sending things your way. Like, it was just... like nobody. I'm gonna make a studio, <laughs> <laughs> even though I just got um, went into like two different home spaces um, within like the last couple months. But, but it, yeah. it's Rice Studios. Mm-hmm. Yes, but actually, I wanted to like we didn't hash that, but like I went back into my music during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, because I felt like a sack of potatoes molding in the bottom of a grocery store, and nobody wanted me after the Google campaign. Because I was like, "What? A, what?" A, and then I was like, "What am I going to do with the rest of my life? I can't be a model anymore, I guess, because of COVID and pandemic." And then I, I really, you know, everyone was going through their like psychosis and their like depression and everything. And then I was like, "What do I really want to release into the world before like I die?" as dramatic oh as it goodness. is and then i was like i want to release a single and that's how my music started but either way we're gonna go back to my rice studios <laughs> and my impulsiveness but i had to like train a thought you know i am like an unmedicated adhd adult when i keep on going through like these conversations i can't wait to be old and senile uh, <laughs> the stories yes yes uh but the rice studios thing you know i always wanted a studio it's always been a dream i feel like every artist has a dream of having a studio right a, a studio of their own but what yeah. you're doing is communal like you're doing it for the people mm, yes you're opening up your space you open up your studio for people to come in there and mm-hmm. exhibit you're opening up the space for people to come in and sell their merch mm-hmm. like you just it's you're making it home to, to other people yeah because that's what i want to do because like also like you know even being in the photography aspect or even in the fashion aspect everything's really gatekeepy right everyone has their own clicks it's like it's literally of who you know right yes. and i think at this point in my life especially i've been in new york for like 13 years right since 2009 to now so it's essentially like 13 years um i've met a lot of people in all spectrums and aspects and most obviously like really honing down in like the queer community who or like my family you know me being a queer person in general um and i just realized like a lot of us we would have to deal especially like the younger folks a lot of them will have to deal with like abandonment not having a lot of financial stability i mean for me too it's like i didn't come from generational wealth like everything i have right now i worked my ass off for But then, you know, people only see, like, the broad spectrum or, like, the physical aspect of it. finished product. Right. Uh, Whatever you put out there. Yeah, but also it's, like, I'm still working on it every single day. Like, my mind just doesn't stop. And I think that's why, like, um, you know, you're, like, what don't you do? It's, like, but also I'm, like, what more can I do? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You know, I think there should just never be... And I think that's, like, the power of being a human and having a brain is, like, we should be accessible and open to any sorts of opportunities and, like... very true. You know... I I can respect that. Yeah, and also, I used to live in a lot of fear and, like, didn't do, like, a lot of stuff for myself, you know, in the past. That's impulsive as I wanted to be I was always like okay I'm only able to do this because I have this much in my bank account or like whatever um but either way it's just like I think like you know I see the privilege and like of myself and like how long I've been in the industry that I can essentially provide for other people too um and 
Yeah, and so it's your, your mother. Yeah. Mother Kaguya. <laughs> <Mother, mother> yeah. <laughs> providing for the children, opening up a space, giving, yeah. them, giving them venues, giving them opportunities. Right. I mean, in the very beginning, I was actually really, really scared. I was like, why am I doing this? I was like, I was like, also, it's a commercial space. It's two months of secure. It was like two months down and month. I was like, I was literally running around trying to find coin to make out work because I was going in it on my own. In the beginning, it was supposed to be with three other people. And then it ended up just being one person. And he was only like, he's younger. So I was just like, okay, um, is this going to happen or not? And if I'm not going to do it right now, I feel like I'm going to lose this opportunity. So I just kind of went with my gut. I was financially in no, I was like ready, but not really. Ready enough, not, yeah. not ready in abundance. Yeah, but then all in due time, all in, like, hard work, and, like, because it was literally, when I found the place, it was, like, trashed. There was, like, it was not ready. Um, but then right now, for how it has progressed, I'm super thankful in, like, the community and, like, the people who follow me also and have seen this journey and how like the studio has progressed like I feel like people believe in the vision and essentially like I'm learning too as well like I opened it up in October so it still hasn't been a year yet but now I'm seeing like oh I see potential in this space but I want a bigger space I want a better space I also want multiple spaces i want to essentially expand to la maybe too and i have people out in la saying like they want to do markets and stuff with me out there and now i'm trying to like network over there because i also love the west coast it's hard to leave new york (laughs) (laughs) but like you know i'm just like seeing all this like different groups of people who you know and it's like most obviously in our journey even as just like adults in life you lose a lot of friendships right you lose a lot of people who thought that they would be there for you and be your family and have your back for the rest of your life until you're old and gray and then you have like one confrontation or miscommunication or you know political views or like anything that was like opposite and like they didn't want to come through or be held accountable and you're just like okay so what's next Um, but then I think like my power for sure is to never really dwell in like a shitty situation and try to like find You've shown how you've grown from all of them. You started started way back in the beginning, like when we just started talking. Mm -hmm. That relationship, that man in Spain, like it's Mm -hmm. it's in your programming. You just you bounce back. Yeah. I just snap right up. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, let's not make it don't don't discredit yourself oh, no. it takes a lot of work oh no for sure for sure and it's also like i started therapy again so that's been fun that's great everybody should yeah and i'm celibate now we talked about that <laughs> earlier <laughs> that that is therapy yeah three three and a half weeks i'm going strong that's therapy right there. <laughs> but yeah but that's but, okay because you're a mom now you have to <laughs> Yes, who I saved because she was literally found in the street. I Aww. like even that too. Like you know, I had a moment and scary, you know, scary moment where I felt like, you know, I was going to be homeless and stuff, and I didn't have the community support. Like I even like, 
you know, I was in sex work and like I was like telling my OnlyFans subscribers to help me and donate and they didn't even donate. Like I was in a very intense financial crutch and I was like literally crying. Like no one was, I felt like I couldn't lean on anyone. Most obviously I'm also a person where I'm like, I don't feel like I need to ask anyone because they already have their own like financial troubles and stuff. But I would like tell my stories to like folks who I thought were going to help me and they're like, you'll figure it out. And I was just like, okay. And then so I got out of that situation regardless. And then, you know, now I have like my spaces and everything. Um, But when I got my cat too, she was homeless, you know, and I was like, I'm moving into my new home. So I'm going to be a mother. (laughs) And now she's just spoiled as hell. She's a year old now. That's what they do. Yeah. Knocking shit over. Yeah. But it's been good. I think, like, it's been a good conditioning aspect as well. For you to take care of another. Another friendly. <laughs> Essentially. I have my own, like, a group of children that I call my children, too, that I try to aid. You know, most obviously, they are working for me right now, but I'm not going to, like, gatekeep them to, like, stay with me forever. Like, I know, essentially, like, they're all going to want to aspire and do, like, different things on their own. They have dreams, too. The way you have. The way you did. Right. Exactly. And if I can be a good stepping stone or, like, a lended hand. Oh. Yeah. That's so kind. Let's see, it's people like you. This is, this is what makes, it, makes, it, makes it all happen for so many. Because you are, you never know what situation you're going to wake up in. Yeah. Things change. In Literally tomorrow, my whole entire shit could be on fire. Let's <laughs> not, let's not, not even go there. No, but. I'm knocking all the woods. Let's <laughs> not. No, no, I was like, I'm trying to be better about being more optimistic, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, but I am working on that, you know. So why the name Rice Studio? Oh, I called it Rice because Rice is where you feel at home. I re- rice is so funny. Honestly, I really hated Rice. Oh, I love when it. I was like, <laughs> it's uh, not obvious. No, I when I was rice. younger, like because I was like always fed Korean food. I was like, I'm fucking over this. I want a sandwich or a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> And I was just like, you know, I hate, I, and also like, I think it was like the stigma in regards to like me being surrounded in like mainly white, like neighborhoods and like growing up in public school and stuff. And then they're not eating like rice. They're eating fucking sandwiches um, or cheese and crackers or Lunchables. I was like, I want a fucking Lunchable. I don't want your like kimchi and like shit like that. Um, so, but then when, you know, I think like when, as I've gotten older, and I found more appreciation, like, in my Korean culture. I found more appreciation in the foods and stuff. And, like, yeah, essentially. It is a, it is a journey. And then now you think about it, like, all of POCs in general. Because Rice Studios is essentially for queer, black-identifying POCs and POC queers in general in the LGBTQ spectrum. Like, I wanted it to cater to queer folks in general. Like, and also POCs in general, because we are lacking actual representation and job opportunities. Like, it's true. So yeah, definitely. But you're giving them a space to make it on their own. And that's... Right. I mean, that's a great place to start. Yeah. It's a great launching pad. Yeah. And hopefully it is accessible. I'm like trying to make it as accessible as possible, for sure. (laughs) How do you manage events? Like, how often... Mm. So um, when we first launched, I launched it with my friend Ron. Um, He's been doing like the Brooklyn Queer Flea for a minute. Um, 
And so, like, we first launched it with him together. And we did, like, a five-day, three-week event in the month of October, as soon as I opened. And there was nothing there. Literally nothing in the studio except for um, my one uh, artist resident who's leaving soon. Um, And tables and chairs that's basically all we had and then um afterwards like one other person referred me to another person and then we hosted like a non-profit kind of wellness like winter wellness like thing in december and then i was essentially you know like i do my other like business too um you know it's a queer safe another you know delivery service business that i've been doing and we've been doing markets for different other like queer bars and events and stuff and essentially i was just like you know what i think i can make my own events as well because like we have been partaking in a lot and it seems like a lot of work but also i feel like i can do it i'm good at like coordinating things on the spot yeah and then so the month of january came I decided that we will take like a whole entire week off on purpose because like we were working really hard during the holidays. And then I realized I was like, oh shit, Ren is coming around. But also like, let's start my own series of markets called Rice Pops. Brilliant. Yeah. (laughs) That's adorable. I was just like, (laughs) Rice Pop-Ups. And then immediately I was like worried because I was like, who actually wants to like do a pop-up curated by me? literally less than 24 hours we were booked like all the vendors set us up and i was like that's it and then um you know i was super thankful really nervous about it um and that's also when like you know my friend uzumaki uh we met on a shoot when was it like a year or two ago and um basically we've been in conversation of her doing like an installation and it finally happened around like the end of december yeah exactly that's so great yeah she's a dominican um artist female artist also based in the bronx but like her career launched like in la and she's like a good friend of mine's and you know we're both hardworking women in general um and like so we finally collaborated and i was like we need to actually make the launch happen and so but i was really scared because it was like the day before like the snowstorm and i was like oh my god every like i'm uh, you know it was just like a lot of pressure and i'm realizing for each event that i do it is a lot of pressure it is always like oh like is this gonna be good is this gonna be good for everyone are they gonna make their coin you know all of that stuff too um and you know like i learned uh, everyone always just has a good time. <laughs> like you, you know what? It, it takes a certain kind of people. Yeah. You have, to, you have to make it worth your time. You have to make it a good time for yourself. No, like, for as sure. A, as a vendor, like doing convent- conventions and traveling and going all around the place and being booked. You never right. know and, where you're walking into. And you've been doing that for my, way longer than me. And you never know who you're going to be around. You never know what yeah. the environment's going to be. You never know how productive it's going to be, mm-hmm. how beneficial it is. And mm-hmm. You just got to make the most of it. But okay. I think like I've also been doing like my trial and error in regards to it. So like I'm making it like kind of like a at least a buy monthly kind of thing so at least having like two events per month or at least one event per month is my goal so like last month 
we ended up doing like a self-care for self-love event and before that I hosted like an art show exhibition that was like our first nighttime event most obviously our space is 420 friendly um so it was just like playing around and essentially someone stated that like my space is essentially like a black box I guess that's like a theater term where it's like we just make shift the space however um you adapt yeah depending on what the event is and like you know even my friend Ross collab they did like a whole entire glorious whole exhibition where there was like a penis behind and like people are having a great time like drinking <laughs> with somebody in the box yeah, yeah. It, it, that's his thing and um he's a great friend of mine and like you know it's like these kind of friendships that i've had for many many years but like we're finally coming together and like i'm able to provide that space and i'm like happy to you know um and it's just like as time goes we shall see like what more can happen with rice studios wait you are (laughs) it's boundless like you just things just happen like you're one of those people where you're like you're just the universe lines up opportunities and you just you go for it you take them i mean right now yeah i, I don't think it was like that all the time <laughs> necessarily it's a work in progress it's a work no in progress. for sure everything is a work in progress and like i am super thankful i am super grateful like we even did an event yesterday and i felt like it was a little slow but everyone was happy and they made their money so like that's fine and like they're like invite me whenever and then i will tell them about the other markets that we partake in and they can like do those too and i feel like at the end of the day um even like i i hate saying like lgbtqia like some spectrum because i feel like it's so like how should i say like very like what do you prefer queer just queer I think queer just like covers all bases. It's like I don't know something. that's like, are you LGBTQ? <laughs> I A. Um, it reminds me of like Rina Sayoama. <laughs> like I, they like do that in their concerts and stuff. But um, like I just want it's like I feel like the queer spaces sometimes they can be gatekeepy. Um, There's not a lot of queer events for people to for venues like where you're offering. Mm-hmm. so I mean it's def- there's definitely a market for it yeah no I feel like uh, there should be more of it and even like in the bars and stuff I'm realizing how like most of them are owned by like cishead white people and they claim to be like queer spaces but then they treat queer people terribly um and but then at the end of the day a lot of the queer folks go to those spaces cause they have the space they have the venues that are accessible and that's what I'm learning and like I see myself feeling You're shaking it up you're gonna make it your own uh, I want to like make a queer strip club but man <laughs> could you remember are, that would be fantastic I mean I there's th- already like a boy less troupe that goes out and does performances yeah so, I mean that would there's there are so many queer dancers that would oh my god they would love that yeah be- no but it's just like I you know I am friends with like my sex worker friends and like the younger girls and they tell me about their stories with like the hostility and like the toxic masculinity and like just you know um harassment in general like in those workspaces and i hate that for them so i mean we shall see that's like later that's just me like saying <laughs> out of the box label i'm like yeah i would love to do the possibilities are endless uh, like, every... the possibilities are endless you are <laughs> you're walking proof i am looking for investors and sugar daddies <laughs> that will believe in my goals and dreams and you know it will be great <laughs>
Great sales pitch. Exactly. And <laughs> now we got to get it all in writing. Exactly. So thank you for making the time, Kaguya. This is... Of course. I've been waiting for so long to get you on here. Oh, I love how I just <laughs> called you up and I'm here right now. <laughs> See, an opportunity was, was taken. Yes. That's how it works. Yes, exactly. <laughs> With some Maduros, I'm yeah. on. <laughs> we'll list all the information, how to get a hold of you, and Rice Studios, and mm-hmm. maybe mention some of your collaborators, but... Thank you. Thank you again. Like This has been great. I'm yes. so happy to have had you. Of course. Love you uh, much. Love you too. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And we had two big comic issues this week. They're bringing it back. Destiny of X is in. It's in motion. <laughs> it's happening. So they dropped another couple of books this week. And we picked up Marauders and X-Men Red. So, let's, let's start with Marauders. Yeah, let's do it. And we start off in Wyoming, where um, there's a, a firestorm, a fire blast going there's, on. Yeah, there's a mutant who is it's out of control. Uh, did they did they ignite him or fever pitch? I'm not clear how he got to that stage. Level. Maybe he was felt very attacked. He felt very attacked. I don't know what you said. But the humans were about to use some gyric machine on him. Yeah, like some electromagnetic disturbance or something. Which I guess might have been fatal. Because possibly right before they use it, the marauders jump in and, and are like, Katie, "Hey, Katie, Katie, I've, Catherine, oh, wrong. Kate, Captain Kate, Captain Pride, whatever." She shows up. She grabs the soldier by the by the grab the soldier by the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, not today, soldier, by the shoulder. <laughs> we'll take it from here. He's one of us. You can't touch him. So they go in. They subdue him. They grab Bishop him. Bishop absorbs all his energies. He, yeah. Psylocke grasps at his brains to gather Calm him. him down, I guess. Gather him up and put himself back together again. <laughs> Do you know a fever pitch? I don't yeah. I'm bad i don't either but so i just was curious that's all <laughs> just a mutant that looks like uh the other fire guy right um i don't think we can say his name anymore right onslaught have they no onslaught is the other thing he was around during onslaught yeah and he was oh holocaust yeah i don't know that i don't know if that's <laughs> what happened to that guy but that wasn't he is it is he a fever pitch now is that oh i don't know is that him who knows well, do. You guys write in and let us know because <laughs> we don't know. We dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> and the next page, we go to Krakoa now. There's a uh, Catherine is has her little that box, that puzzle box. That's apparently Mysterium, but that's somehow two billion years old. Anyway, there's a map, a map there. It said the first blood spilled is what she's looking for. And lo and behold, she does find someone at this location. It, so it's a part of Krakoa that Krakoa doesn't really... It's like a forgotten piece. It's like a forgotten of, part of a piece of Krakoa. Krakoa doesn't know exists somehow. I don't... It it's, doesn't... Yeah. It was, something Xavier did, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Because it's become a prison of sorts. It's a house arrest yes pretty much and 
It is revealed the person there is Cassandra Nova. Who's Cassandra Nova, Eric? <laughs> she is, from what I've gathered and from what I've asked you before, prior to this recording. <laughs> this is a quiz. <laughs> I know. Cassandra Nova is not Professor X's twin sister, which I thought was. Cassandra Nova is a mama dry who is a parasite that I guess was a vitro and absorbed Professor X's mutant genes and became her. I don't know. It's a, really a clone not. of him, sort of, kind of <laughs> like used his DNA to form herself out of him, and I don't know. She. But how does she? If there were not. If there weren't two fetuses to begin with, how did she even come to be, is my thing. If it's not Professor X's twin sister. Use protection. (laughs) You can catch a parasite (laughs) that can be a mama dry that's going to clone your baby. And And hopefully your baby's like Xavier and he'll take his umbilical cord and choke her out with it. This is just too ridiculous. I can't. <laughs> anyway, she is kind of like a copy of Xavier, except she looks like fucking Gollum from Lord of the Rings. She oh, looks terrifying, you guys. I am afraid. But, Ray, what is she doing in this forgotten land oh, you of know. Coca-Cola? She's just, just like... She's uh, doing some archaeology, archaeological work. She's doing some digging. Yeah, yeah. she's digging around because she's figured out that if you dig deep enough, you can pull out Krakoa's organs um, or their their guts, their bits. I don't. I, some purple goop and some organs she's pulling out. But okay, my question is, and not just to you, right? Just in general, I'm just voicing my. Ideas. Seeing this and how, you know, the whole thing going on with Sabretooth and do no harm to the land we live on or whatever. Here she is harvesting organs and like nothing's going to happen to her. She's know. not going to get sent to the pit. She said she's on this little island that Krakoa has <laughs> severed. It has nothing. To, yeah. It's part of Krakoa. It's a little rock off the side <laughs> but, that she's just picking at. But she, she says she had to dig deep enough. She's just moving her hands on the surface, I feel like, and pulling out these organs. Listen, all right, without getting too technical, anyway, we're, we're losing I'm focus. sorry. Who's the writer? Is- Who's the writer? <laughs> so Steve Orlando has just picked up this book. It's taken as a new number one, and he's launching it, and he's got uh, Eleonora Cardini doing the art, and it's... I'm, I like it. I like the, the dynamics of her. I like the... The angles and the, the bodies and yeah, the faces are a little cartoony. She's got a little toony face. I'm not a fan not of a fan the art. Of... It was not good to me, but, but maybe I like it'll where... grow on me. I like where Steve Orlando's going with it. It's so different. Every book so far has had like a villain, like Excalibur when it first ha- when it first happened. It had a po- apocalypse. Then you've got the councils that have that. The council has Mystique and Sinister and Magneto and. You mean thrown in with their team? They're thrown in with the with the heroes that you're used to seeing, yeah. and otherwise this whole team would be just a bunch of good guys, except for Dokken. I, I actually don't know much about Cassandra Nova. I, this Cassandra is like my first. Cassandra did. Yeah, some... you learned me some things before, but yeah, I don't. I know. It, it was that a, a 
add-on that she was the one that orchestrated the whole... That was uh, it from the beginning. Oh, really? Yeah, she... So she's been created for a long time. Yeah, she's been around since your favorite, Quietly, was drawing. <laughs> That's when I stopped uh, reading comics, folks. <laughs> That's when I went away to college and <laughs> did not read. But that, yeah, with that introduction of the... Was it the new X-Men? Yes. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, so Catherine approaches her and is like, You, what are you doing here? You're like a bad person and yada, yada, yada. Cassandra's like, Oh, I got some news for you. You know, there's uh, these first mutants that need some rescuing. Oh, well, that's because of the map inside the box. Mm. When they say it's the... Uh, first blood. First blood's build. That's referring, apparently... She reveals her the, the first mutants to ever exist on Orak or Okara. Which so we're is like not the, the first. They were like the second generation on Okara. The first mutants actually are revealed to be later. Some, it's a little confusing. We'll see. I mean, this is like the first issue, like you said. So uh, I'm curious well, there's, to know. There's mutants older than Apocalypse, older than Selene, older than Genesis. Like there were the, people, the ones who came before them. And somehow the Shi'ar is holding these people captive, yeah. and she's she's the one that knows this. And right. I, like that came kind of, I don't know, came out of any just nowhere because who else? Xavier doesn't know. I had so many questions, and you told me to simmer down. You're like, it's the first <laughs> well, issue. Well, there are things like, we are not supposed to know right off the bat. I just had so these many are these questions. are things that are being introduced to us now. And you're yeah, like, it's oh, true. Wow. Well, why is she doing this? Wait. Why is that? What is what's there going was other on? Ones? <laughs> then, oh, then there is an actual place. <laughs> Remember I was asking, like, is there a danger room type area where they can, like, practice or train? And, yeah, there's something called Danger Island, which I had no idea. I, so why why didn't um, that guy go explode boulders there? Maybe he didn't know where the portal was. I don't know. But, uh, but anyway, we got we got um, Tempo and, and Psylocke doing some training here together. Um, and They're just chilling, just training. Yeah. That's all. But I mean, the thing is, they're giving... I like that Steve Orlando's giving every character some kind of dialogue, some kind of personal development, something to tell you a little something about themselves. Because there's so many of these group books that are out there now that focus on one or two characters exclusively and everybody else is just like off on the side living in the shadows of the big the, the important ones right but he's i think in the first issue in the first issue he's the different characters for it being you know just the beginning he's actually he's given enough time to for everybody like you get a little bit of every character here yeah let me go back to where cassandra is and gene appears <laughs> in her old x-men red costume from i X-Men guess the red. last time she well she when she confronted her last she was right. wearing that yeah. that's when she gave cassandra nova the ability to feel empathy to sympathize to understand what sh- pain and discomfort and hurt she's caused others and because cassandra was just a cold heartless person before that Cassandra's like, oh, I should thank you. And by the way, my ship is calling. I need to go, but clean up this mess. <laughs> but you jumped it. What? Cassandra <laughs> was like, oh, thanks. Now that I can feel things, I like it. 
I like the way it feels when I hurt people. I like the way I feel when I hurt people. And then Gina's like, you haven't changed at all. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, well, here's my ship. (laughs) Clean clean up the guts. I gotta Uh, go. Yeah, I don't know. That was... (laughs) It was weird. Like, uh, all that went into her trying to get her to understand what it's like to be human and to feel this full experience of emotion and... She just she's taken it and warped it because she's just a warped individual. She just there's no. Although she did say she's not there to hurt mutants anymore. She's yeah. past that. That's the she's... one thing that Jean did for her. She got yeah. her off to her mutant kick. Yeah. And then we go to the boneyard where there's a uh, bishop and Aurora. For... Yeah, her name. <laughs> I was forgetting her name. What is her name? <gasps> Jean Marie. Jean Marie. Yeah. Uh, she's packing up. I guess she's going on this mission. She's like, I'm done, dealt enough with death and all that. She's like, yeah. it's time for me to live. So Bishop's like, you sure? So then she goes and gets Dokken, who's in some kind of dream. Dokken is working out his shit. He was he, just Somnus brutally... has him in some dream state where he's like m- killing Brimstone. Well, he was brutally attacked and t- tied to this post and like, and cut up by a whole town of people and he's processing that he's processing what he went through and he's doing that in this dreamscape where insomnus who can let you live out a whole lifetime in in a dream and you like and every moment feels like it happened but you just it was just a few minutes so he was going in there trying to work it out and let out all his frustrations all whatever happened in that during that moment and just like all he was doing was like killing and maiming brimstone over and over again and he wanted to do it for a couple more years <laughs> somnus is like oh you gotta wake up because your girlfriend's here <laughs> it's just a revenge thing it's like yeah just get it out of your system or i was like boo we gotta go we gotta get past this <laughs> we got stuff to do then bishop calls everybody on deck and Teams all gathered there, and then there's the revelation. Revelation? Yeah. She reveals to everyone well, that she's Catherine, chosen the last Catherine, team member. Catherine tells the group, call Joy here, I got the last team member, <laughs> and it's Cassandra Nova <laughs> with her golem face. Oh my god, she's my terrifying. <laughs> this art really takes me out of it. I don't know. It's really hard to get through. I'm enjoying Cassandra in this art. It's oh, very... Yeah? <laughs> you know, I've I've always wanted jarring. I've it's always wanted jarring. a Sphinx cat and the wrinkly faces and they're just like I feel like Cassandra no, So I now see, you have to get one of these naked Chris- cat are I they s- called naked cats or Sphinx? Sphinx. You're gonna have to get one and name it Cassandra Nova. Well yeah, but I mean I just that's what I think of when I see her because it's just like she's so mean. <laughs> she's a, maybe it's the hair the fact that she's got no hair. I don't know. But that's, I think that's probably the worst of it. No, no hair doesn't... She, her face and her... She's just... Very hard to look at. <laughs> <laughs> then there's an info page about Cassandra Nova and on... How do you say it? Validation of her actually being a mutant. And this conversation is going on by Dr. Nemesis, Dr. Cecilia Reyes, and Mr. Sinister. I was just debating whether or not she's a mutant because she's a mama yeah, guy. Right. So they're like, well, she's not Professor X's twin sister, technically. She's a... But the thing is, if she was born... Parasite. By the time she was actually 
born. She was birthed as she a mutant. She was a mutant. Right. But because, of, because she took it from Xavier. But she didn't do it because she was looking to become a mutant. Like, she's not Sinister who stole an X gene to become a mutant. She just, like, happened to stumble across this child and who happened to be a mutant. So she happened to. Yeah, it was just. It was circumstantial. It wasn't something she went out and did on purpose. So that, I guess just giving her the past, like, okay, fine, you're a mutant. But as this entity, was she going to be a human anyway or no? She was going to replace Xavier. I think that was the whole point. To usurp him? Kind of like take over him? She was going to be the one that was born. Born? Okay. I guess that makes sense. So when Xavier's mom gave birth... It was only one baby. It was he, just Xavier. He absorbed her. And he kind of like... So how did she form? After. How does she reconstitute? Because she, because he, the telepathy. So her, her. She had to. She put herself back together. I see. Okay. And, you know, the, of course, she's not well received. She's a bad guy. She killed everybody. Gags. Everybody's grouped and gagged. Except and for Somnus and Bishop. Bishop's like, I knew this shit was coming. But Somnus has no. He's brand new. He doesn't know anything. But he, she does. Cassandra tells him things that I'm like, I don't get it. Why would he say something about it? Because he's a centurion? What does that mean? Somebody who's over 100 years old. Okay. I don't think it's centurion. I think it's another word. But <clears throat> The Cassandra said? Yeah. Centenarian? Oh, yeah. It's not centurion? No. <laughs> Sorry, I'll take delete that. She, there's one thing I'm confused. She says, "You're looking luminous for a centenarian." Somebody who's over a hundred. Oh wait, that's the same. It's the same definition. Well, the thing is, centurion. Centurion is a warrior. A uh, warrior. Yeah, a centurion is not. It's. It's not the same word. You. Oh. I gave you the definition for the word that she meant to what she's talking about. Okay, so then. I'm confused why she tells uh, Somnus, like, you for a centurion, you Excuse already centurion. read my mind. Oh, sorry. Centurion. So, so, so the only thing was Cassandra was telling Somnus, like, you're a centenarian. Centurion. Centenarian. Centenarian. Okay. How do you how do you say this word right? centenarian I was confused why Cassandra tells Somnus you're a centenarian you should already know me or something what did that mean he's old centenarian is somebody who's over a hundred who's been who's a hundred or over so if you're that old why would he know her (laughs) professor X isn't like a hundred years old but he's been around long enough hold on Did you not find that exchange weird? Why? Because she's just saying he's too... He's, you're not that new. You're an old fart. You should know a little something. There's like a gazillion mutants. How how would he know about her? She feels like people should know who she is. is that, okay. Does that make her an awful person? Yeah, but that's probably what they want. Kind of like, oh, like Vulcan saying, like, oh, yeah. you should know me, who yeah. I am. 
Okay. All right. So you want to pick it up again? <laughs> From what part? Chopped off like in the ten minutes right now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just skip that whole part. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, do you want to talk about it? No. No. So, then uh, Psylocke does her little side blade thing on her. Well, she threatens her first, and then she's like, "No, just do it. Just please, just stab him. Just do it. Stick it in my head." Yeah, and she's like, "Go ahead. I'm an open book. Look what's in there." And then Psylocke is like, "Oh, she's not lying. It's true. There are." first mutants we gotta go rescue so that lays out their mission because they're gonna go where they're needed not where they're wanted so Catherine takes on tells them we're going to Shi'ar space we're going to Chandelar we're gonna go rescue these mutants but wait there's more don't we can't wrap it up yet <laughs> you got a whole nother like 20 pages to go it's a long book and then we go to the throne room. We can see Xandra. Got this guy telling her things. Like, well, Delphos is there. Delphos was with her the last time she appeared in that secret X-Men thing. She was like one of the telepaths she was hiding out with. Yeah. Guardian, of course. Mentor's telling her, we got this unidentified aircraft coming your way. It's, it's a the... bunch of mutants. It's... So hellfire people. A mysterium that's two billion years old in there. They know everything that's on the ship already. Like yeah. that's some the Shiro's got some crazy technology. They know. They know all the things. And when Delphos hears about the box, she's like, there's a box, there's a mysterium. She's that's her sign to like to get triggered. Like she's been a sleeper agent all this time. She's really part of the Kin Crimson, which is where Eric the Red and all that comes from. But she's just another one. Apparently there's many of these characters. Like sleeper agents. Who are part of the society, who are all about protecting the Shi'ar, regardless of the cost. They're there to protect them. And it's almost like they have power beyond the power of the board or the, the queen or the empress. Empress. But they, all they care about is protecting the Shi'ar. Of course, Sandra's like, what the hell is going on? Like, yeah, don't all... dismiss my guard or... yeah do this and that and she's like sorry <laughs> I, I'll just show you what happened and then Sandra understands now she's like alright carry out the order make yes. sure the marauders don't find out our secret whatever that is well it's that they got these whatever happened happened a billion years ago but it's still it's something that, that might start war for them like they'll have to answer for this and it won't be good. So now they show you how they're getting through space so quickly. Aurora and Tempo eating boost fruits, which are causing the ship to go super light speed, warp speed, it's whatever. Their powers combined. Why their powers combined? They can they now go so like super fast, like you don't even know. <laughs> with these boost fruits, and they're like, "Oh, you kick Cortez to the curb." Like first he gets replaced by Cora <laughs> on sword, and now these boost fruits are doing his job for him. It's kind of funny. But also, with this just sudden introduction of the boost fruits, like we're gonna see if we're gonna see more of these boost fruits. They're like drugs. <laughs> <laughs> then a fight ensues in space. They send Psylocke and Bishop out in their spacesuits to start shooting at stuff to try to protect the ship. They get caught in this red energy net 
that they can't escape from, it's and it's revealed that Eric the Red is the one behind it, and he's like, this is as far as you guys go. That's it. <laughs> it's an interesting book. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I it packed a lot. I think I didn't understand a lot of it, as you guys can tell. <laughs> it was it was a lot. <laughs> what did you think? I I like where it's going. It's the thing is the the first series of Marauders kind of where was it going? What was happening? Like Kate was trying to figure out why she couldn't go through a gate and but uh, what was happening with the rest of the you know they were in space talking to Lando Calrissian trying to get the Mercury like I, I feel like this is pushing I think Steve Orlando's like giving them a mission he's giving them a new direction he's throwing them into space now because all they were doing was like rescuing people from islands and yeah. yet I mean they have to rescue mutants mutants aren't all on earth but also this will involve the Shi'ar because there was that mission with Secret X-Men that was kind of like, what? So maybe it will tie it in. It's, I think it's a good change of pace for the book. I'm excited to see where Steve Orlando takes it and I don't, <laughs> I don't mind the art. Like I think it's very this dynamic. Was, I, I, to tell you the truth, I had to read this twice because I didn't get it and then Again, I still didn't get things, <laughs> so I, I don't know if, if I'm just too slow for this book. <laughs> it's no. not my type, but I'm not. We'll see. I'll keep reading it, obviously, and see how it goes. Hopefully it gets better for me. Well, they had to introduce you to a lot of things in this first issue. So the second one will f- probably flow a little faster. I gave it two stars. <gasps> no. <laughs> what did you give it? I would have given it a four. Four, four stars? Yeah. Cool. Four out of five. Just because of the faces. Yeah, that was <laughs> jarring for me. And next up, we got X Men Red number one. Another big one. Oof, this was a heavy book, too. So we've been seeing Storm fighting herself for like a few issues now. I think at least two or three. This is like the third time you see her confronting a version of herself. And it feels like a memory. It feels like maybe she's in a struggle. Something's going on with her. But it turns out this whole time she's been fighting the exist at the time the regent of Morocco, who's the shapeshifter queen, nameless. I had no idea. This is like a shapeshifter who can do it to such an ex- she can shapeshift to such an extent that she has her powers. She has she, maybe there's some telepathy involved, but she like becomes absolutely that person, and she's been fighting storm and that's what that's what she we've been seeing all this time which is like all right th- thanks for like laying out the breadcrumbs now finally finally comes together and it was a hell of a fight this fight takes place at the circle perilous i'm assuming yeah that's which where, is the, she has... where they get um where she gets challenged if her position gets in question yeah. if someone she, wants to every day her, she wakes up her position yeah, is challenged so she has to fight in this circle every perilous. day every day circle, circle but this, this one was important that was the first saying. i guess her first fight she had to earn it's how she got her table or okay. how, sorry how she got her chair on the council on their council but not only was nameless uh like a duplicate of her shapeshifted to her but in her prime is what she was saying when she was queen and Still, Storm won, and... Well, Storm managed to freeze her. Like, she called upon the Arctic winds to move and move. Freeze her. But, uh, 
<laughs> but then Nameless was like, it's not going to... Because Storm was going to leave it at that. Like, you were gonna, you're going to be frozen, and this is a wrap. Like, this is how we do things. And Nameless was like, no, you're going to know what it's like to be a rockin', a rock high, or however it's, it's said. But so she, Nameless kills herself. Like, because she also has Storm's power. She brings a lightning bolt down on herself and... That's it. It's like her blood is kind of on Aurora's hands. Storm just has this scene replaying in her head. So she's in the great ring of Morocco. They're in a meeting. Um, I feel like they've done this before. Like they, they're, yeah. they're voting whether or not to go back to Amonth and discussing whether or not to rescue Red Root. And they're kind of just picking that up here again. And then they give you a, a list of who decides what and what how they voted and what the name of their seat is which is really interesting that they named the seats because none of the crocoan seats have names i guess because they're set up as seasons so here each they're one... set up also there's like dusk twilight but the vote dawn. is for war or for peace do they continue living on Rocco, the planet and start a new beginning or do they go take the fight to amanth and I don't know, wage war <laughs> against that realm. So, um, ultimately, lose. it all goes to peace. peace. Storm has two votes as regent of Morocco. And there's other characters who just didn't vote at all. Who didn't, who abstained. And that was that. Then, there's another scene where there's a fisherman that they're, he's just walking around Morocco, fishing. <laughs> and Magneto appears and is like, Sir, is this your land? <laughs> Fisherman's like, oh, Whatever. Are you walking on it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. He's, he's like, Can I live here? He's like, Yeah, whatever. As long as sure. I can come here. <laughs> you tell me I can't come here, then we're going to have a problem. Because <laughs> it's like, it's this little island on Morocco. Nobody else lives there but it's like as long as you're not claiming this land and you're putting a flag on it and nobody else can get on it then they won't have they don't have nothing to fight about it they don't have anything to fight about so he's like I just want to build a little house here yeah Magneto has a metal ball just constructs a whole palace out of it cozy little place to die that's all he He wants (laughs) yeah (laughs) He's like a comfortable grave for me to die in, is what he yeah. said. It's a castle, you know. But they call it the Autumn Palace. That's <laughs> what it's named. <laughs> Little retirement home. Yeah, basically. Now we go to <laughs> the Red Lagoon, which is the bar at um, Port Prometheus. Oh, the Red Lagoon. So... Roberto da Costa owns the blue, the Red Lagoon, and he wants it to be popping. He wants it to be popular. He wants people to dance there. He wants a disco. He wants yeah. it to he be has, the, he has the big spot. ideas. He wants it to be the he, spot. Studio Fifty Four for Araco. <laughs> I don't know that Araco hangs like that, but he, yeah, he wants that. But this bar is kind of like a, what do you call that? Like a crossroads people can travelers can stop by there grab a drink and relax anybody anybody in space stop by and 
Oh, but all he's thinking about is dancing, which is adorable. But I do like he's got a drinking partner now. Like he's just sitting there talking about his problems with a stranger. Well, as far as I, I mean, I've never seen the guy before, but I like him already. <laughs> yeah. So Roberto's drinking buddy, his name is Kobach Never Held. It's a tragic story it's telling Roberto how his first love, Tario, got taken away. And he cried for, for a year. An entire year. And now he can cry him. no more. Right. Hasn't but shed I, a tear since. I think he's called the unhealth because he's a porcupine. Like, he's got an interesting looking guy. Yeah. I, I don't know if they communicated that to the colorist, but it, like his spikes are green. Maybe they thought they were floral or plant life, but it's. I think he's a porcupine. But, it, but his body is like rocks. I, think I his, thought they were boulders. His and that's back, why he, if you look at the top of his head, it's got like big scales also. I think he's like an armadillo. I don't know. He's got I mean, a Maybe the colors thought they were rocks. <laughs> I don't know. But like he's naked except for the rocks on his crotch too. There's very, a lot of reasons for him to be unheld. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> then... <laughs> You know, they're having this moment, Roberto sharing about his first love, Juliana, and... He actually burned her alive accidentally. That's how uh, this whole thing started. Oof. They were attacking him on the field because he was black and the other kids were not and they were... And she jumped in to defend him because he was starting to activate and she was... It was sad. It was very sad. That's why he's like sulking now and it's like it's touchy subject. Well, this tender moment was abruptly stopped by Vulcan angrily yelling at a Shi'ar person. <laughs> you mean Vulcaren? Vulcan? Vulcaren. Oh, Vulcaren. Shows up. She's like, I want to speak to the manager. I am king here. And you don't know me? Do you know who I am? <laughs> I got fire on the inside. <laughs> yeah, so he's picking a fight with the Shi'ar person. Dignitary, I'm assuming, who... Has no clue who he is, and I guess that's like, your face Vulcan. looks a little familiar. <laughs> Pisses off Vulcan. And yeah, he's starting a fight with this guy. And then, of course, Roberto steps in. I mean, he doesn't want a ruckus in his bar. Can't have like a bar fight here. So he steps in, and then Vulcan starts to pick on him. But the thing is, he gets lit up. He does a sunspot thing. He's all covered in black with all the dots, and, he's, and then they just fade because Vulcan absorbs his solar energy because Vulcan absorbs energy too so now he's got nothing he's like how are you gonna fight me with your powers you got no powers now so he's like I got this it's okay I don't care we're gonna fight he's like I fought with no powers before you know but and no start brawling he gets his butt kind of he's not doing well <laughs> and then the other guys at the bar are like telling you know the unheld hey why don't you go help your friend he's like no that's an insult you can't do that here oh uh, because People from Amanth are very... Yeah, you, you, you got your own fight to fight. <laughs> and stopping that fight, Thunderbird steps in, who came out of nowhere. And he just he's came picking, back. He just came back live. He's <laughs> now he's picking a fight with Vulcan. Well, he's not, first of all, he's not very happy with the Summers people. <laughs> so the, Thunderbolt has some... Thunderbolt. Oof. Thunderbird has some things to work out. He just came back. He's like... He didn't leave on good terms he said yes he sacrificed himself for other people but he was never a pal of scott so they butted heads a lot yeah so i don't know we'll see where this goes because he's he's even he doesn't care who he's if you're summers you got trouble with like it's because then cable walks in 
with Abigail Brand. He's like, he uses his telepathy to telepathy. He uses his telepathy to like calm Gabriel down, and knocks him out, and then while Puts he's his ass to sleep. Yeah, but the thing is, while he's laid out on the ground, Abigail's like, you know what? Let's take him over here. I think I got a job for him. Like you got a job for him. He just came to try to kill people. Thunderbird's people. like, what? How the heck he got a job? And he's like. <laughs> Then he starts going at Cable, and there's a whole bunch of fuck yous, and fuck yous, and fuck yous, and Cable's like, oh, shame you were never there for anybody ever, because you had the plane to catch. That's dumb. And I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, that was shady. <laughs> yeah. But then he gets kicked out of Mars. <laughs> so Abigail, Abigail kicks him out, bans him from Araco, tells him, you're not welcome here, you attack some, you know, <laughs> attack a person, now you gotta get... Go back to Earth. <laughs> he gone. Now we go back to Araco and the council, and they're just they're starting to walk away because the decision has been made. It's it's gonna be peace. And Storm gets on. She's talking to Iska. She's like, "You don't vote." She's like, "I can't vote. If I vote, things will go my way." And she kind of like wants to sit back and watch things play out, and not not kind of determine how it's gonna go. Just let things happen, like take their natural course. She doesn't want to interfere, basically. So I guess once she makes a decision, that's it. Like that's what's that's that's what goes. That's what goes. But she's like, I don't know. She's giving Storm a lot of grief. This is kind of like this is. She's got to uh, step up for herself a lot in this issue. I guess it's gonna happen. This is just what it is to be like in Morocco. But she's, you know, Iska tells her this is your planet. We're just the people who live here. Like, they, they feel like they have no say, no word. Like, they're just not... Rocco's not feeling what's happening. But, I mean, they have a whole planet to themselves. What more could they want? They just they just want to keep fighting on Ammonth. I, I guess they feel like they have no purpose. And that's kind of... After you've been fighting for a millennia, or however long they were fighting, you kind of like... You know? But some... I mean, a lot of... Half of the council, I feel like, voted for peace. So I think they're over the fighting. Some of them are. Are ready to move on. And you the know? ones that abstain. Right. I mean, one of them got their tongue cut off, so they didn't. <laughs> Couldn't vote. <laughs> God. Jeez. <laughs> but then just after that little moment with Iska, then Abigail shows up. She's like, Psst, we got to talk. She's like, in the bushes. <laughs> come here. <laughs> she's calling call Storm the queen, and Storm is like very adamant. She's like, I'm not the queen, I'm the regent. And she's Get like, it right. Yeah, but well, like when uh, Krakoa colonized Mars, she's like, well, hold oh, up, I'm going to oh. stop you right there. <laughs> There's no There's, colonization. There was n- it was a resurrection. There was a planet that had nothing going on. They brought it air, they brought it life, they brought it plants, they brought it vegetation. Like, where, where was the colonization? But Abigail just like, she just keeps like shooting darts at her because then she again like refers to her as queen and she's just like, just had it. Like, so I'm just like, it's been a long day. She's done. <laughs> she just wants to go yeah. home and change. Yeah. <laughs> well, but what idea does Brent throw at her? That she's like, it's the last that, straw that Storm's like, nah. She's like, we need a, you need a, you need to start the X Men. You need to bring up the X Men again. There has to be, there has to be X Men on Araco, and you would need to be the leader. And Storm's like, nope, thanks, nah, but, no. bye. She's right. like, she's done. She's like, ah. It's, she's not feeling. She she left there to start something new, and they just keep pulling her back in. And again, Storm is dealing with that. That I don't know if you call it trauma, maybe, or she's dealing with that. 
how she became regent. And Storm is just thinking it through. It, it weighs heavy on her. And she's like, what is it about this? Like, people keep calling me queen and this and that. And it's this throne and this crown. And, and she kind of shatters all of that. The, destroys the, it. Destroys the throne. Destroys her crown. And she's like, that's it. <laughs> like, this is not what's going to happen here. And then we go back to the Autumn Palace, where <laughs> Magneto is trying to trick the fisherman into to tell him what his powers are. <laughs> He's like, you know, I could use some pillows. Yes. <laughs> can some we see if, how soft you can make a pillow? <laughs> is that what your powers is, to make pillows? <laughs> or fine fish. It does. like and I... mental control over fish. What's your, what's your... And the guy's like, I don't have any powers. He's like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Magneto's taken aback because he's like, I thought all people from Miami, from Morocco, had powers. They were all mutants, but I guess you can be a product of mutants one without a mutation. I guess that makes you a mutant there in itself. Yeah. So I mean, right? Things happen. Yeah. But then, then out of nowhere, I guess then Sunspot walks in. He's like, How you know I was here? He's like, You know, grinder. Like I don't, I don't know how he knows. <laughs> he's just like. It's like you know, word gets out. <laughs> like all of a sudden, there's a castle here. It's not like you built he's a like, little oh, hut. Yeah, I got. <laughs> but yeah, he comes to Magneto saying, "This will be the perfect spot for a disco party." <laughs> Eric, headmaster, and the fisherman's like Eric, headmaster, Max, Magneto. All these names. <laughs> you got all these names. He's led a long life. <laughs> it's, He's got, but Bobby's got things to say. Berto, he's like, you know, Abby O'Brien's up to something. We right, need to do, I don't trust her. Like, I'm glad that that's the case because she is doing a lot of shady shit in other books. But right. like being in Orcus, of, <laughs> but Orcus, yeah. So Roberto tells Magneto, we need like an X Men here, X Men of Araco, and Storm's like, hold up, I was about to. She walks in too and interrupts, since like. Well, we don't need no X-Men. What we need is... The Brotherhood. And, you know, Storm's in rocking outfit. a new outfit. Got a new mohawk. So, she's ready to hit the streets. Yeah. She's not queen no more. She's assless a, chaps. They're not assless. <laughs> they might be hipless, but they're not assless. I mean, it's leather too, right? <laughs> <laughs> is it Storm if it's not leather? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> But man, that was a hell of a book. I mean, all, both issues were long. I think that had a lot of information. But I'm excited about this one. We'll see. On yeah. to the next. See you guys next week. Ciao.